Hey folks, uh, it's Luke Ryan here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to have a quick chat. Uh, today's episode was recorded months ago in a professional studio instead of my home studio. And it's become a bit of a habit of mine to make the last episode of the series an education-based one. It was a really great chat and I was super excited to get home and to see what the quality of the sound was like. I had really high expectations. However, getting home and reviewing the audio, it became really clear that there was a problem with one of the machines. Um, the sound was the sound was shit. Um, I've had various professionals look at it. I've tried to clean it up myself and we're here today with the best we can possibly get. Um, it's not perfect, but we felt that the content, the chat, um, my personal feelings for this, this content and, and how well this chat went, I wanted to share it, uh, put a lot of hard work into it. I really encourage you to, to listen, um, especially if you're a teacher or if you have kids in school or about to start, you get so much out of this chat. I want to just thank everybody for the support of my podcast over the past three seasons and all the different guests that I've had on. And I really want to thank you for that support. So let's get to today's show, Team Teaching. Remember when you were in school, the teacher stood at the front and talked and talked and talked. If you were the quote unquote good student, you sat and you listened and you tried to absorb as much as you could even though most children can only remember seven things at a time and have the attention span of around 10 minutes. There's no wonder research shows that students can only listen and retain about five or 10% of what they're learning. Now, I wasn't the typical good kid. I got bored, confused, agitated, and lost. This top-down type of learning didn't do it for me and many others who were more interested in drawing pictures, staring out the window, or poking their friend in the side. If you're a parent of a school-aged child or a teacher yourself, you might be aware of some of these words. Social learning, collaboration, skill-based, team teaching. You see, research has shown us that a more lateral or horizontal way of learning has greater benefits for students and teachers. This involves group discussions, Practice by doing and sharing knowledge with others. Now, how does this new style of learning change the way the teacher works? This is where team teaching comes in. You are the curious, we are the curious audience. Welcome to this episode of The Curious Audience. I'm here with two teachers, Amanda from a Catholic school. Hi. And Kira from a department school. Hi, how are you going? And today we're going to be breaking down this concept of team teaching and, and giving you a bit of an insight into what new schools look like. You know, we often hear schools are different to how they were when you went, when I went. And hopefully we're going to give you a bit of an insight into how this works and give you some tips of how to be more successful in team teaching. So what is team teaching? Well, I think a lot of people can sometimes get confused about the difference between team teaching and shared teaching. Um, shared teaching is where you share a class. I have plenty of experience in that, in that one teacher has a class 
two, three, four days a week and the and the opposite teacher has them the other days. Whereas team teaching is more what some people term parallel teaching or when you have more than one teacher in the room with the students at a time. And I know that Amanda has plenty of experience with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, 10 years I've been teaching now and uh, all but I think one of the years that I've been teaching I've had I've had a team teacher. Uh, the last few years I've been in a class with two teachers all of the time. Uh, some of the numbers have been have been you know fifty odd kids, which is which is average uh, for two classes. Um, and I've also had the the smaller amount of students with the with two teachers, and where we can we can take small targeted groups while the other teachers teaching teaching uh, a whole lesson on with a bigger group, or we can both be teaching half the class at the same time doing slightly different things. Um, I think it's it's really beneficial in a lot of ways uh, for the children, I mean, especially with behaviour because they, they can't get away with things because there's two adults watching them, not one, um, especially where there's, the, where there's the smaller class. But also uh, in assessing and the children's actual learning, I find that if I've got somebody else who's been in that classroom with me that day and I can bounce their kids' difficulties off of, off of them, I feel like, you know, we can all work to our strengths if somebody's someone's got a better idea than me how to deal with a particular child. I can just say, um, help, what's going on over here? Um, or they can do the same with me because we all have different experiences and I think team teaching, you need to be, you need to be just what it says, you need to be a team, you need to be you know, the two of you together, it's like co-parenting as two parents, <laughs> they need to be on the same page. Us two, as two teachers in the same room, we need to be on the same page and, you know, kids trying to play you against each other but we can't let that happen. It's got a big wellbeing issue to it. Like uh, working with two teachers instead of just the one, you have that balance in being able to prepare lessons. Um, you've got that balance in if you are at your breaking point when it comes to patients dealing with a tough kid, you can call in someone else. You can call in your team teacher and say, can you have a go? Um, as well as that that self-development era to it because you can share ideas and take that other person's experience and say, well, what do you think of this? How can I grow? How can I get better? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the most powerful things about team teaching is that ability to build your capacity through observation. I, I have said it many, many times to a lot of people who know me that I honestly believe that the teaching profession should be an internship. It should be it shouldn't be this in a university for four years with spot pracs. Like you learn way more in a practical experience than you ever do um, in the university lecture theatre. It's not till a few years later that you necessarily go, Oh, that's what that lecturer was talking about. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I get it now. Whereas in that team teaching situation, it's it's like a prac. It's in that you're there and you're able to see how somebody else does it. And you know, we all as individuals have our strengths and weaknesses. And if you are willing to recognise that you are not the expert in everything and the other person in the room might be better at something than you, you can really gain a lot from that. But I also think if there is something that you are the expert at out of the two of you, if you are the person who has a bit of expertise in math teaching or in a particular area of literacy, it's really powerful to build the other person's capacity but also for you being able to demonstrate it and then 
reflect professionally and have that professional dialogue and that collegial mm. discussion around it, again, improves your practice more. If you can articulate why you made a professional choice and why you did that particular thing for that particular student, that re- reflection makes you a better practitioner and it also helps both the student and your colleagues. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think that's really important that the reflection and teachers need to be learners as well and so you you really need to go into into school with the mindset that you're going to learn from from not just your team teachers but from the students as well and I find it pretty amazing working in working in in a team where um, if you you've really got that really got a good thing going where you can bounce ideas off each other or even in the class when you're actually teaching you you bounce off each other with your humor and and with the learning and things and the students really pick up um, who's good at who's good at what thing um, you'll often find in my classroom my kids have learned really quickly that I'm good with the technology um, not necessarily the other teacher so if there's any problem with the technology they'll call me um, you know, the other teacher might be really good at something else so they won't call me. <laughs> you know, they'll call them. So the children really pick up really pick up that as well if when we are working to our to our strengths. Um, and just what you were saying before, Luke, about the well being, I've actually just about to complete a master's in educational well being. And it's so important. Um, not just for the not just for the students. We're always talking about student well being. Um, and how can we how can we help them with their learning, how can we make sure that that they are well physically, mentally, emotionally, so that they can learn? We also need to make sure that our teachers are well physically, mentally, emotionally, um, and and you know educationally. We need to make sure the teachers are well, so that so that they can they can then pass that on to to the students. And and I think with the the shared the shared idea of of the programming and and things like that because the and the data collection and all of the admin and things that teachers need to do now, if you can share that across a couple of people, I think that makes a huge difference. It takes a lot of pressure off. It's all that extra time that you would typically do that because, you know, you usually teach between 8.30 or 9 to around 3 to 3.30, something like that, you know, and then you add on top of that meetings and parent um, chats and things like that, your time really gets away from you and the paperwork becomes somewhat of a burden because you have to do it outside of those hours. Um, you mentioned your skill set, the technology is your strength, Kira. Do you have um, a, a higher skill I that, I, that I would come to if I, I was tend team to teaching? Be, um, at the moment I've become more of like a, the maths go-to person in my current setting. Um, I'm really passionate about mathematics and um, developing the understanding of why underneath why we do things as opposed to just this is the procedure, this is the formula. Um, so I've become a bit of a, a go-to with the maths and I'm also really passionate. I'm not great at it, but I'm really passionate in giving my children opportunities with art because I have been in classrooms before where you've got children who through no fault of their own, they are not academic when it comes to literacy and numeracy. They're just not, but they can be phenomenally artistic, phenomenally creative. I'm guessing that was kind of you a little bit when you are a kid, Luke, when you're yeah. sitting here talking about not being a great <laughs> typical good student. But and just the freedom that I've seen art give students, um, so I'm always championing championing that. I'm always championing giving them those opportunities to be creative because not everybody is a literacy learner or a numeracy learner. That's not how everybody functions. And I think sometimes 
people can forget that in teaching because we do focus so much on literacy and reasoning and I'm not saying that's not important. I'm very passionate about it. Absolutely, it's the core of our business. We need our students to be literate and numerate, but we also need to make school fun. Learning should be fun. You know, especially if we want lifelong learners and, and that term refers to like just having that love, that curiosity to learn more about the world. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm a massive art, science, all those sorts of things. I'd much rather um, have that as the core of my, my learning and then integrate the other things around it because you, you can't do science without having a good maths knowledge, without having a good literacy knowledge. The same with art to an extent. You're building on those skills. Um, I'm, I'm terrible at art, absolutely <clears throat> terrible. Um, that's one of the good things about team teaching as well is that I, I can just I can be there and I can I can help. Um, but I have another teacher that is really good at it who can <laughs> program it and 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 who can who can really help with the kids. I know what it looks like. I go, wow, that's really good, great job. I like how you've used those colours. I'm good with colour. Um, <laughs> I cannot draw to save my life. Um, I'm a big reader, uh, and I and I find it's really important. Um, I get a lot of a lot of experience from from reading different things and and you know as you say not not all kids are literate or numerate um but I love reading to them and I think I think even in you know I'm used to teaching year five and six at the bulk of my experience is the older kids and I think we forget that they still like having stories read to them and they still learn from they still learn from things like that and um so for you know the kids like me who are not good at that (laughs) we have a teacher that's really good at teaching art um, and then you've got me who'll read your story and go, wow, look at those illustrations. Isn't that awesome? And, you know, and I think the kids the kids sort of respond to that, the different personalities of the teachers in the room and the different things that, that the teachers can do and, you know, and they like to laugh at me when I try to draw a diagram <laughs> and it's terrible. <laughs> so that makes it fun. <laughs> Let's pick on the teacher this afternoon. But, but you know, I think um, I think you really – with your with your other teachers, you really need to you need to find the time to work with each other outside of when you're in the classroom to actually, you know, do all of that planning and programming and having a look at each other's strengths and really getting to know one another and and what you can do so that so that if I can find something that's really too hard for me, then I just say you know can you help with that just like we expect the kids to do. I think we need to expect the same things of ourselves. Absolutely. I mean, I think, I know you're going to touch on it a bit later, hopefully, Luke, but with the professional development, I think the most valuable thing that we can be given as teachers is time. Time, especially in a team teaching situation, don't tell me how to do it. Give me time to get to know my partner so we can just do it. Yeah. Yeah. And when it comes to that well-being, I think it's also really powerful for the students to have two teachers in the room because not every personal not every student personality is going to gel perfectly with every teacher personality and it gives them that additional opportunity to build a strong relationship with an adult. That's so true. I mean, you think about your own school experience and there'd be teachers you could list off saying this teacher was really great for me and it's most likely because of the connection they made with you that they were able to connect with your interest, your learning somehow fulfill part of you. But you can also name that teacher that you did not get along with, that you just continually butted heads with, that didn't get you as a learner, that didn't get how to communicate with you. And with team teaching, you don't 
you can negate that to some extent. Yep. You've got yep. two teachers. Sometimes you might have more teachers sharing a space, so you might interact with those different teachers at different times. If you don't gel with your core teacher, you've got others that can offset that. Yeah, absolutely. We have in my room because I'm um, technology leader, so there's another teacher that takes my class for half a day a week to replace me to go and do that work. And um, my my team teacher this year is is also on the exec, so she has a day out of out of class. So that's four teachers mm. that are that are at school uh, full time that my kids can get to know. So if there's ones that that don't relate to me or that I can't relate to. Um, then they've got somebody else um, and, and the other way around as well. There are some that would relate to me better than they, they relate to others. Uh, so we've got, you know, the four teachers and then we also have a couple of teacher's aides that come in that come in quite a bit. So I think it makes a huge difference having those different adults around. When I was at school I had one teacher and that was it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in primary school particularly, if, if you didn't gel with them, you were stuck. Uh, and I had quite a few difficult years in, in primary school because of that. In high school it was very different. There were still a few teachers that I just really couldn't handle but I'd only have to put up with them for yeah. 40 minutes and a then long I could 40 go. Minutes. <laughs> but I had some, I'm really lucky, had some incredible teachers uh, that I've built really good relationships with and that, you know, I'm in my 40s now and I still am in contact with, with some of them and, and you know, and that's that's just amazing that building those relationships is really, really important. I find that children with the difficulties learning, if they don't get along with their teachers, they don't want to learn. Mm. You know, they don't want to do the work that they need to do if they, if they find it a bit harder to learn something. I always found it harder to learn maths and you'll find when I was at my worst at maths it was because I didn't get along with my teacher at all. Um, and when I um, when I got along with my teacher, then I wanted to learn. I wanted to please them. Uh, and I think kids are the same. And now they have with team teaching, they have the opportunities to learn to please a lot more teachers. Mm. And if there's yeah. one that they just kind of can't, I just can't do it. I just can't. You know, they're not feeling that relationship. That's okay because there's another one. So when you guys have been talking now. Kira, you used the word partner to describe the person that you team teach with. And Amanda, you used relationship to describe it, which I think is so interesting because when you you may not know the process of what teachers are combined together to work in a team, but it's very informal. Like you would you would probably have more interaction on a speed dating than you would teachers <laughs> being paired together. <laughs> Typically, I mean tell me if, if this is different for you, but for me it's always been at the end of a year you get to um, put in your preferences, you get to say what class you have the, the strengths in or where you'd like to go. You might choose three or four different classes and then it's up to executives who run the school to work out the right combinations. And, I mean, I don't know what parameters they use to gauge that. I, usually it looks like it's experienced people with inexperienced or young with old, they, they pair them up. But they don't know much about the person's personality, yet we're supposed to be in a relationship or a, a working relationship and working partners where there's a lot of trust involved. That's it's, such it's, a difficult, difficult thing to do. And I think I've had I've had both where I've been just thrown in a room with someone I didn't know and that was quite difficult. Uh, but I sort of 
at the time I was I was probably a bit green, I was a bit inexperienced, so I just sort of had to take the step back and say, okay, I need to learn from you and I need to I need to get along with you, uh, whether you know whether we were close, whether we were friends or not. Um, I needed to to just kind of let them lead, whereas now I'm I if I've been thrown into that situation, then I'm like, okay, well, you know, this is how I do things. What do you think? Um, you know, and, and so trying to make that more collaborative right from the start, even if I haven't built that relationship with them yet. Um, I had a completely different career in a former life. I came to teaching late and in that other career it was really important to build relationships. You needed to build relationships um, immediately. Um, so you, you really, I've really learned those skills and whenever I've been asked in a job interview, you know, what do you bring that's different? It's relationship building. Um, I was a hairdresser for many years. So <laughs> I was, I was, um. You know how to build connections sure quick. Sure do. As soon yeah. as they walk in the door, I can, I can, I can pick you. As soon as you walk in the door, I can, you know, and, and I know the ways to, to start those conversations and to get that relationship get that relationship going because when you're dealing with you're dealing with hair, you're dealing with someone's vanity. So it's you've really got to get to know them really quickly. So, you know, that's probably one of my special skills. If I've been thrown in there with someone I didn't know, that's okay because I'm used to that. I've yeah. had you know, I had a lot of experience of that. Someone walks in the door and says, Can you do my hair? And I'm like, Yeah, sure, no problem. Um, I'm supposed to make you look like yourself, but I don't actually know you. So you know, I have have had to learn that, and sometimes it's sometimes it's quite hard. Um, but I think the more experienced the more experienced I've gotten in teaching, that has made it easier to for me to just to just say, well, you know, I'm not really going to be able to change the way that I'm not going to change the way that somebody else teaches. I'm going to learn from you, and I'm and I'm going to take what I like from that experience and what I can do from that experience and, and just put it in my bank of teaching knowledge um, and then just do my best to sort of get along because um, I think you really in teaching need to leave your ego right at the door and just and because it's not about it's not about me um, in there. It's about those kids and that's why I do it. I do it for do it for the kids. So it's, you know, it's it's not about not about you know, whether I'm going to look good or if, you know, if I'm going to make somebody else look good or, or whatever. It's it's about, you know, doing what I can that's the best for those kids and if, you know, if they know something that's better, great, let's do it. Kiri, you were telling us before we started the, the chat about um, the Marigold story. Uh, yes, it's my favourite And this kind of plays reading. into this. Would you mind um, sharing it with so us? So for the listeners, if they want to Google it, it's called um, – it's a, it's a reading or an article that was a blog post that was written called um, Find Your Marigolds. I can't off the top of my head tell you the author, uh, but it's been a very powerful reading for me in my teaching career and for a lot of other teachers I know. And it's basically the idea that marigolds are a plant that make all the plants around them better and healthier. They have insecticide properties and they really look after the plants that are around them. And on the flip side of that, oak trees tend to absorb all of the nutrients from the ground, shade things, make it harder for things to grow. And this article runs with the metaphor that as a teacher, you need to find your marigolds in your other teachers. You need to find those other teachers who will make you better. And 
try to avoid the oak trees who are the ones who will drag you down, the ones in the staff room who may be a bit negative or just can't get past some issue that's occurred. Um, and it, the article also talks about how when you are um, looking for your marigolds, you can find a teacher who is a marigold in one setting but an oak tree in another. So it's not writing someone off because, oh, they're an oak tree, I can't possibly learn anything from that teacher. But it's it's recognising that there are other people around who are going to make you better as a teacher, whether that's your behaviour management or you're managing yourself and your wellbeing or in a particular curriculum area. And there are other people who may not add value to your teaching or your development as a human being um, and to try to avoid them as much as possible. I would highly recommend it as a read to anybody. It's very short. It's only probably a five-minute read if that. Um, But I know that... At one of my previous schools, one of the execs, she hands that out at the start of the year to her whole team and refers to it consistently. Um, and, yeah, as I said, it's just something that I like to have as a bit of a mantra for myself um, in just find your marigolds. Find your marigolds, be a marigold. Like I want to be contributing positively to this because it's for the kids. Like, That's a really powerful thing, like be a marigold. Like I'm thinking with team teaching, you know, Amanda, you were saying leaving the ego at the door, you know, if you've got that rigid personality or you want that spotlight on you, like that's where you get your fulfilment in life by being the teacher, you know, the best or or really great. If you're constantly trying to stand out and be the oak tree, you're not letting the others around you and you've got a really unbalanced team. It, It seems to me team teaching is not only about building trust and and having really good communication, but it's about almost having that higher level of coping skills to be able to let go of perhaps who you are and be open to change. And, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. You, you can't, you can't just to like be the star of the show. Um, the star of the show needs to be, needs to be the kids. And it's probably hard for a lot of people. It's very hard. I've, yeah. I've, you know, I've experienced where there's, I've had experience with, with other teachers that, you know, where, you know, they've got to be the star of the show. Um, and that's not me. I, you know, I'll be a bit of a comedian when I need to be, you know, to make sure that the kids are paying attention and, and things like that. But in the end, it's not about me. It's not about the attention I get. It's about, you know what those kids get out of it, and um, and you know teachers make jokes about the Pinterest perfect classroom, um, <laughs> and you know sections of my classroom are, are, are a bit Pinterest perfect. I, I do like I do like pretty things, uh, but then there'll be other sections that I just haven't had time to to even think about that. But then you go and have a look at the learning that took place, you know, on my on my quickly scribbled anchor chart because my kids were. My kids were talking so well, and they were doing they were doing just amazing things, and I had to get it down as quick as possible. And it probably looks terrible, but there was some fantastic learning happening there. And you know, I've worked with teachers who have just been amazing, amazing, amazing teachers and learners, and you know, couldn't put a thing on the wall that that matched and looked good. Mm. Um, <laughs> but you know, that's okay because those kids learned and they remembered and 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 they loved it, and that's what it comes down to. And 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 I think you know putting your ego at the door as well. It's 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 also it's also just sort of thinking that you're not always the smartest person in the room. You know you don't have Absolutely. to be. 
Yeah. You don't have to be the smartest person in the room. You have to be willing to learn um, from other people, uh, no matter what their mm. what their personality is. Everyone has a different experience. Everyone is good at different things, and we teach the kids this all day. I was so, just about to jump in and say that. Yeah. But that's, this is what we're trying to teach our children to do and be is to be willing to learn, to be lifelong learners, to take their learning opportunities from everywhere. And how can we teach that without modelling that? That's right. That's We need yeah. to be leaving our ego at the door. And I know that for some teachers that can be a challenge. I mean, for all teachers, because teaching is this fine line between you are a performer, like you get up every day and perform. Yep. And so, you know, there's lots of different teaching personalities. There's lots of different personalities with people who come into the profession. But for some of some people they're more natural born performers so and part of being a natural born performer is sometimes being the being the star being in that spotlight but as you said it's all about it's about the kids it's finding that true north why are you there what are you here for why are you doing this job and that's i don't know a single teacher who wouldn't say that they're there for the kids and but sometimes it just takes a little bit of a reminder to you need to reflect on that that it's not about the classroom, it's not about me, it's about the learning that happens for those students in that classroom. And I've had times where, you know, I've been incredibly proud of something that I planned and, you know, and it was it was Pinterest perfect and it was fantastic and these kids just didn't do what I wanted with it. And it like, <laughs> you know, How it, dare they? It didn't go the way I wanted it to. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, then I need – And they know how long it go, took to laminate that. Yeah, that's exactly come on. right. How rude. <laughs> you know, you saw me doing that, that at lunchtime. <laughs> you know, come on. But, but you know, then I have to step back and go, okay, well, what happened? Why? Why didn't they get – what I wanted them to get out of that. What do I need to do differently? And um, so, one thing I remember hearing in a, in a PD I did a while ago um, with a previous grade partner, and we thought it was brilliant, was when you you plan something and you think it's fantastic. You can think it's fantastic, but you can't be in love with it because if you're in love with it, then you know, then you're going to be heartbroken if it doesn't go the way you want mm. to. So I'd plan something and I'd go, "Wow, I think this is really good," but I'm not in love with it. So you know, everything I do now, I'm like, you know, I think this is really good. I think they're going to get a lot out of this, but I'm not in love with it. it means um, it can change as well. That's exactly right. Yeah. It, can, it can change. You know, it can change. You know, in a split second, um, because you can see you can see a look on a kid's face that they've got absolutely no clue what you're talking about. So we can't go any further until I fix this. Um, you can then see sometimes you get that you, you get that really warm fuzzy feeling of the kid you really wanted to get it has gotten it, um, and you think, oh yes, I've done my job today. You know, one kid understood one thing I said. That's awesome. Um, and you know, some days, some days in team teaching, it's not me that gets that moment. It's it's. My, my buddy teacher, my partner teacher and, 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 you know, and I think that's a good thing about it too is that you might not always see it. You might not always see how you've succeeded with a particular child but there's another adult in the room who has seen it. Mm. Um, so if I'm the one that has seen, you know, just how much a child adores or how much a child got out of the learning with, with a grade partner, then I'll be the first one to tell them you should have seen their face. Like you've, yeah. you know, you've done your job today um, and, you know, and, and, and you know, it makes – that's why you do it. That's why to hear at the end of the day, oh, did you see how so-and-so reacted to what you did then? 
you know, and well, that was the exact reaction I was hoping for. I did my job today. And it doesn't take anything away from you to see that kid get that thing. Like just because it wasn't your lesson, but just to witness it, to witness that aha moment, the light bulb go on, mm-hmm. it, it's like crack. It's why, it's why we're teachers, <laughs> isn't it? Like, not that I have any experience with crack, just as a declaration, but that's why we do it. Those are probably yeah. the things that strengthen the team because you can share in that wonderful moment together. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and then the collaboration, the meetings afterwards and, you know, the, the, the meetings that we do to collaborate about a particular child's learning when you say, you know, I'm really stuck with this child, I don't know what to do. And then you've got other people who throw in their ideas and then you can go and do it and go, yes, that worked, thank you so much. Um, I, I really... Um, I really love the collaboration when it's done when it's done well. I really can't handle competition um, with teachers, and I've found that happens a lot. There's that there's there's a bit of competition, and and, and you know, and I guess that's being the centre of attention as well. That you know, oh yes, I did that. You know, I did I did that so well. I was so brilliant at that. And I just think, yeah, okay, good on you. But you know, we all have we all have days like that, and you know, you, and sometimes I think if you see a kid behaving the way that the way that some teachers do, you'd you'd call them arrogant. Um, <laughs> I just kind of think, you know, yeah, you succeeded. That's that's fantastic. Good on you. But like you said, it doesn't say anything bad about me that yeah. I didn't. That you know that 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 I I didn't. You know, I maybe I didn't do that as well. That's okay. That's not. You know, that's that's not. Um, indication of my worth or my value as a person or as a teacher that I didn't do something as well as somebody else. Um, and, and I think, um, you know, that coming back to that ego thing that I think we need to just kind of let it go. Just like I tell my kids, it's time for Elsa. We're going to let it go. (laughs) Creating a culture where it's okay to fail. Yes. You know, to, to fail in front of another teacher and have them Pick you back up or, yeah. or not even pick you back up and not judge you when you're down. Just to witness yeah. it. it yeah. I mean, and that's a scary thing. Oh, yeah. That is a scary thing. Yeah. I mean, I've been fortunate in my career to have had many mentors and team teachers and other people just walk through. I've had principals who, like their way of building relationships with students was just to walk through the classrooms all the time. And I remember when it first happened, I think oh, the first three my hands times, are getting sweaty already. Just the first about three it. times, I was doing something <laughs> stupid every time this new principal walked through, and I was just like, "You must think I'm the biggest idiot." But it get you just get you just got to let it go. As you said, you just got to pull on Elsa. You got to let it go. But it just once you get past that, you get to put, you could teach in front of anyone. I don't care yeah. who walks into my room now. I don't care who sees me. I can justify what I'm doing. I'm there for the kids and it means that they're getting the best of me because I'm not thinking about, oh, what does this person think of me? Mm, but, yeah. I mean, but it is scary. It can be so, especially if you're carrying around a bit of imposter syndrome or a bit of anxiety or you're just not not there yet, you're not sure of your knowledge and it, you know, it comes with experience. I've talked to lots of different people. I've talked to very experienced teachers who are just like, nope, no one's coming to watch me. I'm like, well, you you have to. Like, this is you can't do this job alone. We don't often get people say, you know, you nailed that. Like the imposter syndrome you spoke about. Like, 
with you're on your own in a classroom, you do what you think is best. You read, you research, you plan. But at the end of the day, you've got no kind of yardstick to measure it against. It's, it's so subjective. You can teach it one way and I can teach it another and both be right. Yeah, absolutely. With team teaching, the hope is if you build this trusting relationship, this relationship where it's okay to fail, to improve, to lean on each other, you get that validation as well because your partner can say to you, hey, that you nailed that maths lesson. They really got that deeper concept. But to absolutely. get to that is so tough. But I think too we, we t- did talk a little bit before we started about growth mindset and that's something that's a huge focus at, at my school at the moment and that I've focused on of course with wellbeing um, in my in my degrees having the having that growth mindset and we teach the children that they have to do it and that I'm a big lover of acronyms and one of my favourites is fail is just a first attempt in learning and like you said before if you're trying to teach those kids that you've got to model it. You know, you've got to you, – you make mistakes. Um, you know, we, we make mistakes and the kids laugh. And say, okay, but I'm going to learn from that. I'm going to do something different. And, you know, if I'm team teaching and, and the other teacher points out that I've done something wrong, I thought, wow, I didn't know that. Can you explain that to me again? Um, you know, that shows the kids that I'm a learner too and that I have a growth mindset as well. I'm happy to, I'm happy to learn. Um, if, I'm, if I'm saying, no, I can't do that, full stop, then that's going to be their attitude. Um, but if I can't do that yet, will you oh, show the me? Power of mm. yes. The power of yet. <laughs> it's a fantastic little word. Um, yeah, the power of yet. I can't do it yet. Can you show me how you did it? And that's got to be the same for us. Um, and, and it's got to be, you know, this 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 journey of, of I hate that word, <laughs> we have to take a journey, yeah. but it works. That that you know of of your learning, and you're continually learning, and you're continually refining your practice. And you're not going to get through to every single kid every single day. Um, but the ones you missed, somebody else might get through to them, and then they might help you get through to them the next day. Um, and you've you've got to just take that on board and and look at um, look at 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 not not at criticism or judgment but look at feedback which is you know that's also what we teach the kids we give you feedback it's not a personal criticism Mm. on you it's a way for you to improve and I think having that having someone there with you all day um is is a huge a huge help for that um you know if they can they can say to you later on you know that went really well and like you said it's not often we hear that um, I actually yeah. had a few weeks ago um, my principal come in with a printed copy of an email from a parent. Um, tingles in the spine, bit of fear when that yeah. as you're walking through the door there. <laughs> yes, yeah, so the principal walks in with a piece of paper in your hand. You think, oh my goodness! But this was amazing. It was it was it was it was a letter of commendation from a parent, um, just for a page and a half raving about how wonderful I am. Um, and the principal brought it to me and she said, we don't get these enough. So I've printed it out. It was addressed to me, but I've printed it out and I'm giving it to you because you need to see that. And when you have a bad day, you can go and have a look at that. Um, you know, you can, you can know that, know that, you know, you're doing, you're doing well, you're doing everything you can. Um, and you know, and, and I really loved that she said, we don't get that enough. 
you know, I know we don't get that enough. So that that she then, you know, shared that, shared that with us. And and you know, I've had uh, that's I've got two of those things. I've got that, and I've got another one written to me, written to me by a by a parent. Um, and you know, I just like I'm going to put them in my resume because I'm just so proud of that. That you know, you yeah. hear you hear negative things, or people can be really negative, and you can get down on yourself, and that imposter syndrome. I'm definitely guilty of that. Um, and you know, but then you've got these things that you go, no, no hang on a minute, I, I am good at what I do. I ca- I can do this, and then. To have somebody else in the room with you all the time and and have them say, you know, at a staff meeting in front of everyone, oh, you should see the way she taught this today. Um, You know, I think that's what teachers need to be doing. We need to be building each other up and not competing with each other. And and um, and you know, so so whenever whenever I can, I'll be I'll be I'll be there. Oh, you should see the way she did that. Oh, she's an expert at that. Oh, he's amazing at this. you know, and, and, and I say it to the kids as well. Um, you know, you, we've, I think we just need to, we need to turn it around. We need to be for the sake of ourselves um, and our own mental well-being. We need to build each other up and hear those good things. That we're a team, you know, a sports team that doesn't get along, fail. I'm just so happy for you that you received that commendation. Like that's just given me the warm and fuzzies hearing that you've got <laughs> that, like that's, Amazing. Yeah, it's, it was just beautiful. It's just beautiful. Um, and I just, when you're saying all that and you're talking about how we have to build each other up, I've done different courses and things over time and I remember somebody, one of the courses saying just we have to treat our fellow teachers like we treat our students and that sounds really terrible when you say it but all of the things we would expect to do with our students, like we, we expect to build them up, we don't speak to them negatively, we don't treat them in a negative way we have to build them up we have to support them we have to when you treat fellow teachers the same way good things happen like we're just we're all humans like we all want to be treated as valuable people who have contributions to make yeah that's right and we do that we do that with the kids and we do it so well with the kids yeah and sometimes we seem to forget that that little bit of kindness that we do all day, every day with our students, just work. It goes so far with anybody. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it do, it doesn't take much. You know, it's 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 free and it's easy to go. Good job, or to see you know to see another teacher in your room. And again, a positive of team teaching is is that there is someone else in the room, and you can see. Are you okay? You're not. You know, you're not having a good time with this. Go and have a break, you know. Just, just go. I will take over. And there's always someone in the room. You know, we're filling our fulfilling our legal obligations to have <laughs> adults in the room and 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 things like that. But we're also we're also fulfilling that human need to just flee from the situation sometimes. Um, you know, if it's getting that hard, and to have somebody else there that can see it, because having you know been in the classroom by myself. Um, for a little bit of time and and really struggling but then you have to keep going because you're the only one there even the simplistic thing of what happens if you need to go to the toilet that's exactly right well if as you're somebody on your who own predominantly teaches on their own like <laughs> <laughs> you get a strong bladder yeah and sometimes you get kidney infections so 
you know, I've had friends end up with all sorts of health issues because you just have to hold it. But yeah. which, but yeah, to have another person in the room or even just somebody nearby who you can be like, hey, I just, I need a break. I need a couple of seconds because you're not your best for your students if you're not feeling it. If you're, Especially if you're doing the dance in front of them. You know, yeah, the toilet dance, <laughs> trying to keep things <laughs> moving. And come on, yeah. lunch bell. <laughs> I, I'm just thinking back to when I was very heavily pregnant, trying to teach kindergarten and just oh. going. Thankfully, when I was in that particular classroom, I had a te- I had that concertina doors and I could just open the door and say, I, I need to go. Like, I'm sorry, but I just need to. Yeah. <laughs> I was in a school once early in my career where the rooms, we were separate classes, but we could open the rooms up to all teach together and we did that quite a bit. And um, the teacher that was next door to me, I was actually in the middle room of three, so I was the fishbowl, we called it, because it was all glass. Um, but I, um, I felt really sick one day and one of the teachers that was next door to me, she had a rule in her classroom which I've taken on since working with her is that if the kid feel, if kids feel sick or, you know, they really, it's an emergency, I need to get out to the bathroom right now, tap someone on the shoulder and run. Because if you vomit on my carpet, you'll have to clean it up yourself. <laughs> I don't do vomit. <laughs> that was the rule. And I was in the class and we were closed doors, so it was just me, 26 kids, and I all of a sudden started feeling like I needed to I needed to throw up. Mm. I was just all of a sudden got really, really sick. And I'm standing there with one of the kids marking her work and I tapped her on the shoulder <laughs> and I said, please tell the other teacher I'll be back in a minute and I bolted <laughs> and I got out <laughs> of that room and, and you know, and, and all was fine. I made it. But... As soon as as soon as that child, because we had that signal, that was the rule in the classroom. Tap them on the shoulder. I've bolted, um, and then I just went straight to the principal, and 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 he said, uh, "You need to go home. You're green." Mm. Yes, I do. Uh, somebody needs to take my class, however. But when I went back to get my stuff, doors are open. They're all being taught. You know, two classes being taught. One teacher. It was all fine. You know, glass doors there. So I didn't have that, even though I was mostly by myself, I didn't have that worry about, you know, what happens if I've got to leave these 26 children on their own. If, yeah. it, you know, if it is an emergency, it's just, and they all just sort of laughed. And I said, well, teachers have to follow the rules too. So I tapped somebody on the shoulder and I ran. Um, and, you know, well done. You all did the right thing. It was fine. I mean, it was year five. I probably couldn't have done that in kindergarten. Um, and wouldn't have done it in kindergarten, but but you know sometimes you got to do what you got to do, um, and you know other teachers need to be understanding <laughs> of that. How important is it to know a bit about the person's communication style or their personality type? I think it's crucial. I think that the best way that school systems could support their teachers in team teaching effectively is to give us training in recognising, like developing emotional intelligence and recognising that there are different personalities and those different personalities interact in different ways. That if you, I think it's just assumed that teachers are people, people, that they're all really good at communicating and expressing what they want and they need and getting their message across. And that's not necessarily the case. You know, 
there are teachers from all walks of life. There are teachers of all different personality types and they're not always necessarily conducive to a great working mm. relationship. But I think that's something that can be taught and it's something that you can develop. Um, but I think it does take training and it does take a lot of self-reflection and recognising what it is that you do well and what it is that you need to develop. And I think it, it's also crucial to understand who who your partner is and how they interact. Like, Luke, you asked us to do a personality quiz before we came on just to give us give us a yeah. little bit of an insight. I found um, it so fulfilling – well, not fulfilling, um, validating because I'd never done a personality test before, but to see – what type of person I am. So I'm, my personality type is I'm an architect and um, I'm imaginative and strategic thinker. I plan for everything and that makes complete sense because I'm a bit of an introvert as well. And so for me to deal with my introvert in teaching, which is naturally an extrovert um, environment, I've got to be planned for everything. And so if you're not on that same wavelength as me, if you're a you know, uh, carefree or uh, I plan as I go or that's that's going to take some um, some interesting development for me to, to, to work with you. Yeah, yeah. So I was um, advocate, so making sure everybody has what they need and I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I just thought that was being a teacher. But, look, it's, it was very interesting because I've done, I've done a few personality quizzes before but never with those kind of that, – that kind of category and it was very interesting – um, reading, reading all those things and going, oh yeah, wow, that's really accurate. I like that um, it says you're mystical, I'm quiet mystical. and mystical. You're not quiet. No, I'm mystical. not quiet. At, I'm not quiet yeah. at all. Um, I'm not <laughs> quiet at all. I'm definitely an extrovert. Um, and I think before that, you know, knowing that, you know, if I were to working in a classroom side by side with you, Luke, I would know. I probably wouldn't be able to pick your actual personality type by that sort of a quiz, but I would, I'd be able to to sort of see how you'd respond to me being an extrovert, and then I kind of need to remember to dial it back, um, mm. to to just not be so out there, um, and so that was something in there that you know not everybody likes it when I'm loud. Um, not everybody <laughs> likes it when I take over, so I just need to stop. <laughs> um, so you know, it was interesting to see that that to see that they you know the, the the weaknesses and the and the um and and the strengths that that yeah I can you know I can talk to anyone I can communicate I can communicate pretty well with most people and that's my you know that's been my two career paths, but I also need to remember to to just shut up. Never miss a good opportunity to be quiet, um, and and to to not sort of take over, um, and let some you know and let somebody else kind of just sort of sit there and 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 I don't I don't think I do it because I because I feel like you know what I've got to say is more valuable um, than anybody else. I just feel like I don't like that dead air. Mm. Um, <laughs> just like to yeah. fill that void. <laughs> just, yeah, that's right. That's right. But sometimes that void is okay, I think. So that's something that I always, you know, sort of think you need to let that go, you know, and that think time that you've got to, you've got to give the kids. I mentally actually have to count down. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and so that I'm 
you know, don't no, don't say anything. Give them a chance. They're thinking. Um, and I've had to work on that and, and um, with the kids and, and I think that would be something I'd need to work on as well that just because someone doesn't respond straight away doesn't mean they don't have something to say to me. If you wanted to have a go yourself, um, the personality test we're talking about is called 16personalities.com. Kira, what did you get? And I I just find it really interesting that Luke's come out as a a proper introvert and Amanda's out there extrovert. And mine came up as a turbulent adventurer. So all of the types have like they have, all of the personalities have two types, I think. Um, so it's a yellow one, Luke. So we're all in different categories. We've all fallen <laughs> into different categories. Um, but a, an adventurer from when I was reading, it basically comes across as you're an introvert who masquerades as an extrovert. And that pretty much sums me up. Um, <laughs> like I can be out there at the front being an absolute fool. But when it comes down to it for me, like if I've had a busy week, I'm not someone who seeks more people to rejuvenate. I need mm. downtime. I need my time, time alone. Um, and it also, when I was, because parts of it I was reading, I was like, that's not really me. I think I did this wrong. And then I got further into it. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this random internet quiz has nailed me on the head. Um, especially when it was talking about, um, I'm the sort of person who I'll just get on with it and do it. It doesn't matter if someone else isn't there pulling them out. I'll just do what needs to be done. But I really do like the acknowledgement of having put in the effort. And yeah. I think that sums me up to it. Like nothing frustrates me more than, like, I don't care if I've done all the work or a little bit of the work, but just, uh, hey, yep, thanks for doing that. Is Like, that little bit of acknowledgement r- really means a lot to me. Mm. And, it, yeah, it does frustrate, frustrate me when people don't recognise that. So when in a team teaching situation, and I've been in team teaching situations where it's been very um, fair and equal and we've shared the workload evenly and I've been in team teaching situations where I've done the bulk of the work – to not be acknowledged for the effort I'm putting in, that's when I get a bit spirally and a bit negative about the whole situation and I really don't enjoy this and I I wish, like, if they just did this and they just did that, but that's when I need to pause and self-reflect. Not everybody speaks the same love language, for lack of a better word, as me. Like, they're some other people, they, they're not all about acknowledgement or they show their acknowledgement in different ways and you need to recognise that. So, yeah, I think it, it's tricky. I mean, yeah, we. I think just a simple thank you. I mean, it doesn't take a letter of a letter of commendation from a parent every week. Like I've got two of those in my ten year career, and they mean a lot to me. But just a thanks for all your work. Um, and I know that um, you know I've worked with I've worked with people in the past that have you know have never never it was just assumed that things would be done. Um, and then, and then other people who are just, oh my gosh, thank you so much. That was, you know, that was that was so good. You know, I'm so glad you did that. And so I feel like, you know, while that's what we sort of want, we need to remember to do it too. Yeah, um, absolutely. And and to just to just go, oh yeah, thanks for doing thanks for doing that. I completely forgot. Oh my gosh. Or or oh, you know, I I haven't got around to it yet. Can I have some help with it? And I'm I'm not a big one for asking for help. Um, I, yep, I'm, I I'm, agree. A, I'm, I'm, I'm not that as well. Yeah. I'm a very much do it myself, and then you know, and then get down on myself when I can't do can't it. Can't get if it that, all done. Yep. That um, you know that the uh, that imposter syndrome kicks in that you should be able to do this. 
you should be able to get all of this done. You shouldn't have to ask for help. And then when I don't ask for help and I don't get it done, then it's I told you. You shouldn't have, you, you know, and, and, and that's, you know, that's just something in me. So I know, I know that I need to, I need to be aware of that and say, hey, look, I haven't got time to finish this. I've got to do blah, blah, blah. Could you help me with this? Yeah. You know, covering perfectionist is what a friend of mine calls it. <laughs> it's taken me a very, very long time to get to a point to recognize that I can't do it all my, on my own. Sometimes I need to ask for help and that's okay. But then that imposter syndrome it still flares up and it's still like, well, why can't you? And you know, all those yeah, yeah, negative sort of thoughts. Amazing. But when it comes down to it, this is not a job we can do on our own, especially not with the increasing workload in terms of paperwork and data and all of those things. But that's a whole other podcast. And, I mean, the biggest thing when you when you get to this sort of team teaching is is we're all so time poor. You know, to build this quality relationship where you, where you can fail and, and can talk to each other about, you know, what personality type you are or what communication style you respond to, you don't have the time. You're almost, you know, a term in with new teachers before you start to really start to break down and decode what that person wants and what they respond to and, you yeah, know, you've that, probably that, put your foot in it a few times. And, yeah. and that first term of the year is critical. With you know, well, you're learning about the your, kids as well. That's right. Not just with your teacher relationship, but with your with your relationship with your children and the and um and the getting to know them and setting the setting the boundaries and you know that first term you've really got to set yourself up for the rest of the year. So you know it's 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 hard to to sort of do all of that at once and then there's all the beginning of the year baseline data collection and all that all that sort of stuff. So it is it is really difficult. To get to just get that all done, and I think, I think really at the beginning of the year we sort of need to take a take a step back. Let's just have some fun. Mm. Let's just you know let's let's just just get these kids talking to each other, practicing their oral language skills, and get the teachers doing it too. Get you know get us to to do it too. Do sit. I'd love to sit at a staff meeting and do that personality quiz. Um, with yeah, the there's so many and, of them. And oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I'd I'd love to I'd love to do that, and then just sit, you know, and spend that hour of that hour of PD for the first couple of weeks, just to like get to know each other, and 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 especially if you're working with somebody new, and you you just you know work out how it's all going to work because it's not just who's going to program this and who's going to program that and I'll mark this or you know or you mark that or whatever. It's not just about that. It's about how we're going to interact in front of these kids, you know, because they're such intelligent little people. Though if you, if you don't get along with your team teacher, there is no fool on those kids in that room. Yeah, they know. They know, and, and they'll they, play it. They will play on it <laughs> to the best yeah. of their abilities. Yeah, they're, they're clever little things, and they'll they'll also feed that back home to their parents because that's what they do. They tell mum and dad about what happened at school, and then then you having a difficult dynamic not only with your team teacher but with your students and with your parent interactions because your parent the parents will be questioning why aren't you doing this and why is this not right absolutely it's um you know it's it's very very tricky but yeah so i mean you know there's there's lots of positives there's lots of there's lots of negatives but i really think that just sort of sitting down right at the beginning of the year, especially when you're with somebody that you haven't worked with before, just really, you know, 
this is you know this is who I am this is what I what I can do and if some people who who um, aren't always as reflective as others that you know personality type quiz could really help where you just say you know okay well this is me and here's my here's my profile and and to just help each other mm. um, you know to to know your own so that you can help somebody else deal with you um, and then to also get to know theirs so you know how to, to deal with each other. Um, you know, I know we always say that with the kids in the classroom that aren't getting along. You know, well, we need to get along. We work, Teachers work together all day every day and we have to get along. So you've, we've got to teach them how to do that. We need to be able to do it ourselves. So what would be the positives for the students? Because we've talked – a lot about, you know, that it's a challenge for teachers but it's something worthwhile doing. At the end of the day, it, it is about the students. So what benefit does this style of teaching, this different direction have? I think they get that shared experience, the shared ex- experience. Um, they get, they, I think they see a lot more about relationships when it's done well. They see the relationship between between the teachers um, and that collaboration between between the teachers, if that's done really well, then I think they can they can learn that, and and also like we said, they're very clever and they'll work out who's better at something, um, so they can get the best out of they can get the best out of all of their teachers. Mm. Um, if if the teachers set them up to do that really well, then they know they know you know I, you know I've got a problem you know I've I've got a problem that I think I need a man to deal with this. You know, I'll go and see that teacher, um, or you know, I know that that you know this one's really good at really good at writing, and I need some help with my writing. But that one's really good at maths. I might go and you know and do that. Yeah. So they get they get the best of us. I think they work out they can they can get you know their answers, um, and they can get their their learning from the person that they think is the best at that in their in their world. It's going to fulfil that need, yep. you know, yep. even if like if you had an extrovert and an introvert teacher in the same class, there will yep. be kids that will go to that louder, boisterous teacher yep. and get that, fami- that fulfilment, that need, that support, and then there will be kids who will seek out that introvert teacher because it's a bit more soft. It's calm and gentle. it's quiet. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I completely agree. It's all about think they're getting that exposure to multiple adults there we talked about it earlier about they've got more opportunities to build a strong relationship I mean and Amanda you said about how for you 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 worked really hard for the maths teacher who you liked but not so much for the maths teacher that you didn't and that's if you've got multiple adults in the room and they know that oh that teacher really loves maths I'm really going to work hard for them and but that teacher really likes literacy and I really like them so I'm going to then Overall, you're covering more of the curriculum. They're becoming more um, like Renaissance learners. Like, like, like they're hitting everything. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you're reaching all the learners too, like not as many as slipping through the cracks because you've got two teachers looking at them and, and seeing where those needs are. Yeah, but also, and also, you know, we're, we're each better at meeting different needs um, and, and even seeing different different needs I know that you know I've had uh, I've had kids that have been really difficult and that I couldn't sort of see where I could go with them next like I felt like my bag of tricks was empty 
when it came to when it comes to certain kids. Um, so then I need somebody else to say do this and to to build on what I've already done or to help me do something new. Um, or I can be that for somebody. I can see, you know, okay, yep, I've met a kid like that before. Let's try this. Um, you know, where you you each have different experiences, and and so it's all it becomes all about learning again, learning from each other, and learning from from your experience and helping somebody else with that experience. Absolutely. What would be some of the negatives that go along with team teaching? Shared workload. <laughs> shared workload. Yeah, shared workload for teachers <laughs> and then for students. Depending on the class size, there is that scope for students to get missed. Mm. Um, you know, we've worked in team teaching situations with very small classes, and there is there is no escaping it in those situations. You know, I've I've team taught a kindergarten class of fifteen students with two teachers. There's every kid in that class is working at their level, pushing. To get better, because they're going to get caught out. Because they're not. There's no like. Yeah, if you divvy that up, you're looking at seven and a half kids each. That's that's tiny. That's everybody. You know, all of your kids have more than that. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So, whereas if you're looking at you know sixty odd kids in a room, even though you've got two teachers, and there are going to be some students who just become very adept at flying under the radar Mm -hmm. and I'm saying that as the mother of a child who in that situation I know would do that he he wasn't in a um a team teaching situation last year he was just in as a 20 student kindergarten class but I saw those workbooks when they came home during group time my kid was sitting there doing nothing because those workbooks were empty (laughs) I'm not a parent but I was that kid don't notice me I'm like, um, you know, I'm okay. Don't notice me. Don't notice me. Um, and and just just kind of looking busy with a lot of stuff that I didn't like, particularly art and maths. Just looking busy. Um, and, and that's it. And if you're cluey enough to know, if I just look busy and don't make a fuss, yeah. I'm not going to get caught out. As long as you're not being boisterous and over the top or annoying others, mm-hmm. it's okay. very easy to coast and get by. Doing nothing, and, and we all like to think as teachers that that doesn't happen in our classroom, and we wouldn't let that fly. Mm-hmm. But there are some kids who it happens for, They're especially very good at it. Especially if you have such a large number of students to just two teachers, or you know, even in a a more traditional classroom with one teacher and thirty kids, that's it's possible for it to happen because you you know as a, as a teacher that. Your attention tends to get diverted to the children who need the most support academically, the children who need the most support behaviour-wise, and then the children on the other hand, on the other side academically who need that extension, yep. because that in turn manages some of your behaviours. Mm-hmm. So there there can be that concern, I think, for some children to be um, fly under the radar a bit and not get as much of a quality education as they probably could if. But I do think that could be addressed by smaller class sizes. Where the teacher's got more time to sort of focus. And um, and I think as well one of the difficult things about it as a as a teacher with those bigger classes as well, you know, I've had 55 kids and two teachers um, and that can be hard. You've got to build a relationship and get to know every kid in your class and figure out their needs and and 
you know, when it's it's difficult sometimes to sort of to sort of um, divvy that up, you know, in schools um, that I've worked in where they're staged and you've got year one and year two, but it's your the both of you teach all of them. It's then very difficult to say, okay, well, who does the who does the parent teacher interviews? You mm. do year one, I do year two. Except all of my reading groups are in year one, so I can't talk to their parents <laughs> about that, about about their reading. And and you know, I mean, it was particularly difficult last year when we couldn't have parents on site, and it was made it was made via a phone call. And I said, well, I can't do all of these year two kid interviews because I don't actually know that child because there's so many of them in there. Um, and, you know, that's that's hard for me as a teacher. I, I don't like not knowing all about all of them. But, you know, when there's that many, it is it is quite difficult and, and I don't like feeling like some of them are getting lost because neither one of us that teaches in the classroom can sort of do everything. Uh, so I think, we, you know, we've... The smaller class sizes, like you say, would really help where where we can see what they're all doing. And I'm much smaller this year with two teachers and, and they're not getting away with anything because um, they, you know, they just can't. <laughs> you know, I've had this size class on my own um, but now there's, you know, there's there's two of us there full time. So so it's much easier to, to, to sort of do that and, and get to know everybody but... But it can be hard if the the classes are sort of bigger, and and I think for parents of in those bigger classes, it might be a bit daunting um, if they're not understanding how the whole thing's going to work. And you know, is there two teachers in that room? But is my kid going to get to know one really mm. well? Is my kid going to be this one that just kind of hides away? And 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 you know, and I think I found it really beneficial when parents let me know that, you know. My kid will be the one that looks like they're busy but isn't actually doing anything so then I can sort of focus and go, what are you doing? Um, Yeah, if you're one of our parent listeners, first of all, bravo for still being here after all this teacher talk. Lots of jargon (laughs) going on here. But that's the key. If you feel like your child is is that child who will um, get by by doing the minimum or um, will, will find a quiet corner to avoid that work, even though they, they could be quite capable, but just want to avoid that work for whatever reason that is, connecting with that teacher, with one of those teachers in that space and just letting them know, hey, my child could be one of these people. Keep an eye out because, you know, if you heard our previous conversation, it takes time to get to know the kids. It takes time to get to know their personalities. And, you know, most teachers come into the classroom with the point of view of every kid wants to work hard. Every kid wants to do their best, but there's something for some kids that stops that happening. There's a wall that they have to get by and some kids can't get over that wall. And it's up to us as teachers to observe and learn more about that child and try and work out how we can help them break through that wall. Now, it could be something as simple as, that child's a really creative child. And so maths and that type of thinking completely baffles them. Or it could be something more more in-depth. And that communication is really key, you know. It needs to be with the, parent, the parents and the teachers as well. Um, and, yeah, and I think, you know, parents need to feel like they can come, come to the classroom teacher and, and be honest about their kid. 
and say, you know, I know they're going to be able to do this really well. I'm not really sure about that or this is how this is how you can help them. And I think parents, the parents that are really good at that um, and, and you know, communicating with the teachers and things like that are really going to set their kids up for, for some really good learning because teachers, we adjust. We can, we can, you know, we can sort it out. We can work out what's best for that what's best for that kid if we if we know them and the more information we get from the parents you know that that honest information the better we can we can work with that yeah I mean as teachers we recognize that parents are you're the people who know your children best you've known them since they were born you know their idiosyncrasies you know them inside out and back to front you also need to realize that sometimes children display different behaviors at school than they do at home yep um, but any information a parent can give us as teachers to help us support their child, our students, is gladly received and used to help. It, I don't think it's ever a detriment to have more information about a child. No, no teacher's ever going to turn that down. No. no. No, definitely not. Well, I've got two negatives. I haven't had a turn yet to talk about it, but I've, I've got two. One from a teacher's point of view and one from a a student's point of view for team teaching. So team teaching for teachers is massively time consuming. It takes time to collaborate. And when you're already time poor because you're being pulled in different directions, it can be be really tough to find that time to do high quality collaboration. And what I mean is actually sit down and hear each other and compromise where you need to and find a, a middle ground. Often we might talk in passing or on the way out or on the way when we're stressed and it doesn't get to that that high quality. So time for me, finding that time and having the school allow for more professional development time is really key. Um, one of the negatives for the students, and, and I'm thinking about this as if it was me, the student in the classroom, in one of these open plan classrooms where team teaching is usually found, I would really struggle with not having my own spot without, without having my own desk, my own chair, somewhere where I knew where to go and sit so that I could see the teacher, I could hear them, I could be next to my friend and, and that would really be a struggle for me. So I wonder if there are students in our classes that are also dealing with that on a day basis of having to get in the class first to find the spot that they want. Yeah, I think that can be that can be hard for for a lot, and you know, particularly um, the children that might have those those diverse needs. That, and I think um, as teachers, you know, we need to sort of be aware of that. Um, my classes, where I've start we started the year where they could sort of sit wherever they liked, but then there were quite a few that struggled with that. So we've given them particular seating arrangements. Um, in consultation with them. So they've had their their student voice, where would you like to sit and work? And, and I have a very flexible space with lots of different types of desks and, and chairs and places to sit. So they were able to say, no, I don't like that particular kind of chair. I prefer the taller desk or I prefer the smaller desk. And, and we were able to work around that. And I think that's really important. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a I'm a big one for making sure the kids aren't swinging on their chairs, but there's actually a few kids in my class that swing on their chair because they don't actually like sitting. 
Mm. and they need to stand. And we've got some desks that are tall enough that they can, you know, they've got tall chairs at them but they can just get the chair out of the way and just stand there. Um, you know, we, we sort of have um, tried to accommodate that. And then we have we have two collaborative spaces and we're mostly in one with the two teachers there in front. We do split for some things, particularly um, in literacy, in shared reading. We'll split half the class and the, so the two teachers will be teaching um, half the class each at the same time. Uh, so that just so that more gets through and less fly under the radar in that. But we call that that collaborative space, the main collaborative space is the zone. So we say we're going to the zone and so the kids know <laughs> what they're doing and there's a selection of, of ottomans and floor space and different kind of chairs that they can they can sit on and and they pretty quickly figure out where their favourite spot is and, and use that. There's some that always just sit on the carpet because um, they know they need to be close to the teacher. There's some that always will sit on the ottoman. Yeah, that um, choice is really important. They, yeah, so, oh. so you know, because it's it's the higher grades, it's stage three, so they're able to make those choices and, and I guess we get to give them that student voice, which is, you know, one of our buzzwords at the moment that, that you know, they need to have a say in, in where they're going in all of that. Um, but, yeah, like you say, it can be really hard to make those decisions about where to sit and what to do. So we need to help them do that. Well, I think hopefully from this podcast, you've got a bit of an understanding of what team teaching is. And if your child is in that environment, this has given you a bit of a perspective of what your teacher's dealing with and what to look out for, for your child in that classroom. Um, thanks, Amanda. And thanks, Kira, for sharing your for experience us. and uh, knowledge today. And um, if you're, want to know more or want to share your information or your story about team teaching or school environment, jump over to the Curious Audience socials and let us know. Until next time, bye.